listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I was reading yesterday that, and actually I'd I'd never looked at these statistics. Christianity, people that call Jesus Lord, make up the most people of any religion on the earth. Uh, There's 2.2 billion people who call Jesus Lord, according to the statistics, uh, on the earth. The next closest, obviously, uh, Islam, 1.9 billion people are Muslim. And then, of course, it just drops down from there. You know, Hindu, Buddhist, all that. Um, But it also blew my mind to find out that we have the number one religion that sees conversions. So we have more people converting to Christianity from other religions than any other religion does, than any other religion does. And then, of course, uh, with that made me think about that with babies and new people being born um, where it's, it's even, it's even spreading that way. And you know, by the way, if you didn't know this, um, that was God's plan. You know what he said? Be fruitful and multiply. Talked about the fact that children are a blessing to their parents. Um, they're like arrows. I don't know if you've read that scripture, but that your children are like arrows, which means that you as a parent are required to aim them and release them. Uh, into what they're called to be. We have a responsibility to aim them and to release them into their future, into their destiny, their calling. And that's what we want to help you to do. And so uh, uh, we, we, about what, November 2019, launched Miracle Word Kids to be a blessing to your family. And uh, I just want to encourage people to have more babies. Have more babies. That's my that's my uh, encouragement to you today. Have more babies. Do you know, I don't know if you guys know this. You think I'm joking. That's actually the Muslim goal is to populate the world with Muslims by having many, many children. That was God's goal when he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Um, that's right, Janine. Aim them and release them into what God's called them to do. And um, I'm just telling you, that that was one of the things that was in the in the, in the statistics I was reading is that, um, and they're even recognizing that Christian families are, are having less and less children as they go down through the years. And I'm just encouraging you, it's time to have more and more children. Or I'm actually thinking about having more myself, not me personally, but Carolyn. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Megan. She said, I'm going to have my husband watch this later so he knows Ted says we need another baby. That's it. That's it. Hey, Stan. Um, today on the broadcast, and of course, if you know this all week long that we've been, uh, dealing with, right, Caitlin? Yes, that's, I'm I'm telling you, I'm for it. Um, we've been dealing with authority in Christ, your position in Christ, your authority in Christ, who you are in Christ, your identity, and, and why that is the most important thing you could learn after you get saved. I believe it is. I believe it is Um, because almost every instance of a Christian battling, struggling, whatever that I've seen is a result of them not knowing who they are in Christ, not knowing their identity, not knowing their authority. And so I would say that it's one of the most important things you could learn 
if not the most important, after you get saved. And then we've taken all week, and maybe we'll pop it in a playlist for you or something, but we've taken all week to deal with your authority in Christ, your position in Christ, your identity in Christ. And um, today, as you saw in the title, we're going to deal with uh, the subject of demons and the underworld because of the fact that Jesus made this one of the main points of the Great Commission, if you don't know that. Uh, So go to Mark chapter 16 with me, and um, I want to show you this because Jesus made this, and he didn't have to, but the Holy Spirit gave us this, especially in the Word of God that's now been preserved forever, gave us this point in the Great Commission. It's part of your authority. It's part of your position and identity in Christ. You've got power over demons, evil spirits, fallen angels. And I'm going to deal with that because it is very, very important that you know it, that you practice it and that you understand it. And so we're beginning in Mark chapter 16. Love you, AJ. And I want you to look at this now. Um, We'll start with verse 15. This is called the Great Commission. And he said to them, go into all the world um, and proclaim or preach the gospel to all of creation. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Notice that. Notice that. After the gospel is preached, and I don't think that this is just random, the way that this is written to us. I believe the Holy Spirit has a purpose. But know know, know this. Preaching the gospel to all of creation is the first part of the Great Commission. But then after they're saved, here's what I love. After they're saved, the Bible says signs will then accompany those who believe. I I saw this one time and it really, it blew my mind. I had never looked at it this way. And I want to share it with you so that you can see what I, what I saw from the Holy Ghost. When I was growing up, even in Bible school, when I read this, I always would picture um, when they would go out to preach the gospel to every creature. I kind of read this whole passage as though it was talking about the apostles or those going out to do the work. And in fact, that's not what it's talking about. And that's when it blew my mind. When I read this and it said, go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And whoever, is, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not will be condemned. And then look at this. And these signs will accompany those who believe. So you know what that means? It means the things you're getting ready to read after that are signs that will be produced and performed by brand new Christians. That should blow your mind. Not these seasoned apostles, but brand new Christians. Says they'll hear the gospel, they'll believe and be baptized, and then signs will follow those who believe. The brand new Christians. Hey, Ted. Ted Melton, I sent you a message yesterday um, on Instagram. I don't know if you got it, but we love you and Ashley. Um, And so baby Christians 
performing signs, wonders, and miracles. And look at the first thing it says. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Hallelujah. They will cast out demons. Do you think it's an accident that the Holy Spirit listed that as the first sign that would follow believers? I don't. They will cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues, in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Well, we can see, right? We can see that that happened to the apostle Paul, Acts 28. He was building a fire on the island of Malta on the shores and a viper came right out, latched itself onto his hand. They all thought he was going to die. And he shook it into the fire because the great commission was active and that wicked things like that, even things that should have killed him, couldn't kill him. Divine protection. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they will recover and they will recover. A few things I'm going to deal with today, but we're talking about demons and the underworld, fallen angels, evil spirits. You've got authority over demons, evil spirits, fallen angels, you're far above every one of those. And here's the deal is that people have built up in their minds so much. And maybe it's because of Hollywood. Maybe it's because of movies and TV shows that we've seen the demonic uh, built up like it's so powerful and people watch these movies and they see these things and these shows and ghost hunters and paranormal activity and all that. And people say, oh my goodness, there's demons. And there's people that think there's demons in their house and, you know, all kinds of stuff that, you know, they get afraid of it. They become afraid. But you know why? It's because they don't have an understanding of their authority, their position, their identity in Christ. Authority, position, identity in Christ. Take a minute and share the broadcast if you've not done so yet. Very important that you do. Because here's something where I believe there are people that are being oppressed. I'm not saying they're possessed by demons. Some people are, not Christians. But some sinners truly are possessed by demon spirits. You've heard me tell stories about casting out devils, uh, casting out demons, as the Bible says. Some unbelievers are uh, possessed by demon spirits. No question about it. We see it in the Bible. We're still seeing it today. But a Christian cannot be possessed by a demon spirit. Some think they can. You can't. You can't. I want to uh, talk about that real quick because it's a question that I will get um, all the time. You know, people say, well, you know, I think my so-and-so is demon possessed. Well, are they a Christian? Yeah, they're a Christian, but I think they have a demon. You can't be possessed by a demon if you're a Christian. I'm going to show you that, um, that thought process from scripture, if you didn't know. First of all, because this is the very beginning of what we're talking about, authority over demons. If you're a Christian, you can't be possessed by a demon spirit. Look with me at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12 uh, and verse 29. The Bible says this now. Jesus is teaching. Listen, because you know why? Is that they were saying Jesus had a demon spirit. 
You know, they didn't like the fact that Jesus was performing miracles. And then they started saying he's performing uh, miracles by the power of Beelzebub. And so Jesus starts teaching. And I'll read to you starting in uh, verse 22. You ready for this? Matthew 12, 22 is where we'll start. Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus and he healed him so that the man spoke and saw and all the people were amazed. Now I'll come back to this, but one of the things that I want you to understand is that there are people who the reason they are sick or diseased is because they're battling a spirit of infirmity. The Bible speaks of a spirit of infirmity that will try to come against you. That doesn't mean you're possessed by a demon. I want you to understand that. It doesn't mean you're possessed by a demon, but there are demons like this one. The Bible says that uh, this man was oppressed by a demon. It was a spirit of infirmity made him, caused him to be, as you see here, the Bible says it caused him to be uh, blind and mute. There was another woman in the Bible that we see that she was battling a spirit of infirmity and she had been bent over double, the Bible says, and it had been 18 years. And you can see that Jesus, who was in the temple at the time, heals her and says, you know, you know the story, woman, you are loosed of your infirmity. And they got mad at him then. They're mad at him again now. Look at this. People were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, oh, it's only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Look at this. Knowing their thoughts, <laughs> he said to them, now listen to this teaching. Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by a Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Because remember something, there were Jewish exorcists. There were Jewish exorcists that were casting out demons. He said, if I'm casting out demons by the power of Satan, how do your exorcists cast the demons out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it's the spirit of, if it's by the spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now look at this. Or how... This is verse 29. I want you to understand this fully. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds up the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. And whoever's not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. So he's talking about, then he goes on to talk about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Uh, attributing the works of the Holy Spirit to the devil. Dangerous. It's dangerous. These are the same people today that say that if you see people getting healed in, in church meetings, that's the devil doing it as a deception because God doesn't heal anymore. That's demonic because that is attributing the works of the Holy Spirit to Satan. And that's where Jesus rebukes them because they were saying the same thing. The, the way he casts out demons is by the power of Satan. No, that's demonic. That is a thought process that actually Jesus says, all other sins will be forgiven, but this one will not be forgiven. And so one of the things that Jesus is pointing out there in Matthew chapter 12 is that you can't come into a strong man's house 
and steal from him or plunder his goods unless you first bind up the strong man. And so the question is this, if the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside your physical body, which he is, by the way, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is in your body. You can't be saved without the Holy Spirit, by the way. It's not just those who are baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues that have the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit, though every every Christian may not be operating in the power of the Holy Ghost because they've not had that subsequent experience of being baptized in the Holy Ghost and receiving power. Every Christian is filled with the Holy Ghost. It's, it is the marker, the sealing the Bible teaches, not the sealing, but to seal, like you seal a letter. It's what seals your salvation. The Holy Spirit seals your salvation. There's no Christian on the earth that does not have the Holy Spirit afforded to them. There is none. There's no Holy Spiritless Christians. Now, there are Christians who've not been baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost, which is a subsequent experience that don't speak with other tongues and that don't have not received power. So you can operate in the fruit of the spirit. Uh, All of these things are available. You have the ability to know as Paul T and I'm reading there now, first Corinthians six, just like Paul said to the Corinthian church, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy spirit within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. The Holy spirit lives in your body. He has been deposited. He is placed in your body. So what Jesus is teaching here is how could a demon, and I want you to think of it. How could a demon come into you and dwell in you and make his home in you? while the Holy Spirit's already in there. I mean, think about that. By the way, the Holy Spirit is the strong man. He's the strength that's on the inside of you. He's the presence of God that dwells within you. How could a demon evict the Holy Spirit from his dwelling place? That's the point you gotta understand. The Holy Ghost is the strong man. And there's no demon, including Satan himself, that can come in and bind up the Holy Ghost and kick him out of your life. Doesn't have the power, doesn't have the authority to do so. And so there's no Christian that can be uh, possessed by a demon spirit. He cannot live in you and take control of you because you are possessed by the Holy Ghost. Do you see that? That's actually what uh, this passage in 1 Corinthians is saying. If you've never seen this before, first Corinthians six nineteen again, you don't know that your body is the temple of the Holy spirit within you, whom you have from God. Now look at this. You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So I am his possession. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody put it in the comments today. I am God's possession. Put it in that, in the comment section, write it. I am God's possession. If I'm God's possession, he possesses me. 
Thank you, Lord. He possesses me. I am God's possession. If I'm his possession, he possesses me. I'm possessed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I am, you are possessed by the Holy Ghost. Owned. I'm his possession. He lives in me, dwells in me, and he purchased me and he purchased you. I am God's possession. I'm possessed by the Holy Ghost. So if I'm possessed or owned, see, because truly that's what that means. If you possess something, it's in your control. It's under your control. If I possess it, it's mine. So for a demon to possess you, it means that you are the property of that demon or of Satan himself. So that's why you can see in the, in the scripture that people who were possessed, owned, operated by demons, they didn't do their own thing. They did what the demons made them do. You read the story of Legion uh, being in the graveyard. The Bible says that the demons that were in him caused the man to be so extremely violent that he could not live in the population uh, in the cities. And so they kicked him out, ejected him from the cities and towns, made him go live in the wilderness in a graveyard. Because you know it's the truth. It's not that the man was just had violent tendencies. After he got delivered from demon, demon spirits, he was no longer violent. Right? It was the demons making him do that. And now he's in the graveyards, Mark chapter 5, and the Bible says he's cutting himself and screaming and crying out, manifesting. Well, that wasn't his human decision. It was the demons that were in him that were making him do those things, making him do those things. It was the demons controlling him. When Jesus stepped onto the shore, it wasn't the man The demons sensed the power of Jesus. The demons ran toward Jesus. The demons bowed low before him and they said, don't harass us. See, that's how you know it wasn't the man talking, it was the demons. The man didn't say, don't harass me, Lord. It was the demons that spoke out and said, don't harass us before our time. And so notice what was going on. The man who was possessed by a legion of demons, he was not acting of his own accord. He was being controlled by the demons. That's what possession is. It's what possession is. He controls your actions, your words, everything. It possesses you. That's the deepest level that you can get in the demonic uh, manifestation is that the devil actually possesses your body and and takes control of you. Many of these people that do terrible things, you look at these serial killers and everything else, there's some of them that say, I didn't even know what I, you know, I I woke up and didn't realize what I'd been doing. There were people, I mean, I I, I remember watching a documentary on one, you know, many of them hear voices. (laughs) It's like, it's not natural, it's supernatural. Hearing voices prompting you, seeing things that nobody else can see that make you angry and violent. It's not natural, it's supernatural. And so what I want you to see is if you are possessed by a devil, the devil has control of you. But if you're possessed by the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost has control of you. Hallelujah. 
the Holy Ghost. And so the devil can never overpower the Holy Ghost. You've been seated in heavenly places. You've been given power and authority over all the power of the devil, all of it. And so now, because you've been given delegated authority from Christ, we're talking again about Luke 10, 19, and you're welcome to turn there if you'd like. Luke 10, 19, where Jesus says that, uh, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. So if I've got authority over all the power of the enemy, then what demon poses a threat to me? If you've got authority over all, all, just for good measure, put it in the, te- in the comments again, in all capital letters, all, and we need to keep it in our mind. You've got authority over all the power of the enemy. So if I have authority over all, then what threat does any demon pose to me? None and none to you. None to me and none to you. You have authority over all. And so never have to wonder You know, if you're in danger of being possessed by a demon, you're not, you're not. The demons are in danger of you casting them out. You're a threat. You are called to destroy the kingdom of darkness. You are called literally to destroy the works of the devil. Just like Jesus, just like Jesus. The Bible says that this is, by the way, is first John three, eight, that the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So in the same way that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, he then anointed you and said, the works that I do, you will do also and greater works than these. So if the works he was doing was destroying the works of the devil, you'll do the same thing and are doing the same thing. If Jesus cast out devils, you will cast out devils. If Jesus healed the sick, you will heal the sick. If Jesus had authority and power to do the work of God, then you can do the same. You can absolutely do the same. Uh, Lenin's asking, Christians aren't possessed, but can really be oppressed and yielded to demons. So can I cast it off them at any point? Or does Luke eleven twenty six still come into play if they aren't ready to repent? Can it come back and bring more demons to oppress even worse? Or can I just do it and they'll stay free? Uh, to answer that question, it goes back to what I just taught. Christians cannot be possessed by demons. Now, that's not to say that Christians are not oppressed. There's different levels. I mean, you can be depressed, you can be oppressed, and you can be possessed. But they're not the same thing. There are Christians, are there not? that are dealing with things in their body, dealing with things in their mind. There are attacks that will try to come against you as a Christian. He's not gonna be able to possess your body, but he can still try to come against your mind. He can still try to come against your physical body. He can still try to launch a spirit of infirmity against you. See, here's what people fail to realize about how, uh, spiritual warfare truly works. It's, it's this, 
Just because the devil can't possess you as a Christian doesn't mean he's not going to stop fighting against you. He's not going to stop fighting. He's not going to stop trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And what he wants is for Christians to not know what they have in authority, power, and in the word of God. Because what he wants to fight against is a weakened church. We're supposed to fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. But here's the deal. How many Christians don't know about spiritual authority? How many Christians don't know about identity with Christ or union with Christ or as he is, so are we in this world, as the Bible says. Many Christians have never been taught about their authority. They've never been taught about their power, their dominion. And so as a result, they take life as it comes. And if they start receiving uh, something from the enemy, they just say, well, you know, that's how life is. The world is rough and rough shape and, you know, depression's on the rise and You know, we just got to ask the Lord to be with us through our depression. No, that's wrong. That's not how you would respond to something like depression or anxiety attacks or panic attacks or spirit of fear or suicidal thoughts. You don't respond to it by saying, well, the world's in a mess and this kind of stuff's on the rise. And you just got to learn that ask the Lord to be with you through the storm. That's not scriptural. Jesus never just uh, never told his disciples, just hug, hug up next to me during this storm. Aren't you glad that I'm here with you so that I can just hold you through the storm? No, Jesus got up and rebuked the storm and then rebuked his disciples for them not rebuking the storm and waking him up. So you see the expectation of Christ. It's not. Well, you know, that's how life goes. No, take authority, take dominion and rebuke the attacks of the devil. That's why I always tell people, if it's trespassing on your covenant rights, you have the authority to cast it out in Jesus name. Depression's not part of my covenant. It's not part of my covenant. The Bible says that we are, we're to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's one of the fruit of the spirit. Let me tell you something. You cannot have joy and be chronically depressed at the same time. That's a, that is literally a breach of your covenant with God. I have joy through, now let me, let me break this down because I know people don't teach this in a, in a broken down way, but let me go A, B, C, D for you. First of all, Jesus shed his blood, gave us as Gentiles the ability to be the family of God, child, a child of God be in the body of Christ. We didn't have that ability before Jesus shed his blood, but now we do. So now that we are the children of God, go on, that's A, now B. He then sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And now the Holy Spirit's been poured out and we all have access to the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That's B. Now C, let's move on to C. C is the fruit of the Holy Spirit They are fruit that are produced from the spirit of God that lives on the inside of you are there for you. And you've got the ability to walk in the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, self-control. Paul said against such, there is no law. Those things are not things you have to go obtain. They're in you because the Holy Spirit is in you. And so joy is not something I got to go find. It's in me because it's produced as a work of the Holy Ghost. That's C. 
So D, anything that now contradicts my covenant or comes against what Jesus gave me through redemption is an enemy of my covenant and therefore an enemy of God. Depression is an enemy of God. Hear what I'm saying today. Depression is an enemy of God. If it's tried to come on your mind, if you've had to battle with it at any time in life, that wasn't from God and it's not a natural thing. It's what the Bible calls a spirit of heaviness. Isaiah 61. It is a spirit of heaviness and you have to take authority over it and you've got to eject it and you've got to learn how to access the presence of God and let joy flow in your life. That's not, and I know there's people that would uh, in the world that was, well, you know, he's, he's, he's really lost it because now he's trying to attribute these uh, chemical imbalances in the body that produce these chronic depressions. You know, that's how they talk because they don't understand the spirit realm. Once again, listen to me. I don't care at all about how some, how educated somebody is in the world. If you are dead in trespasses and in sins, if you're spiritually dead, then you don't understand the things of the spirit. The Bible says you're not going to make sense of the word of God, nor are you going to rely on it for your answers. So I don't care what a psychologist says. I don't care what a psychiatrist says. I don't care what a doctor says about things that the Bible already addresses. This truth is higher than their human wisdom. And so I don't care if somebody says, well, really what it is, is a chemical imbalance in the brain that causes people to be uh, chronically depressed or anxious or whatever you might say. That might be the natural manifestation of what's going on in the body, but the root of what's happening is a spiritual root. You can't medicate a demon. You can't hospitalize a spirit as Bishop Oyedepo says. So you have to understand a spiritual problem needs a spiritual solution. That's why you've got a whole generation of zombies walking around medicated. You got kids, teenagers, college students walking around medicated because somebody said, well, you've got this problem, this problem, this problem. So you need to take these three pills. And now instead of dealing with the actual root of the problem, we're just medicating people so that they're zoned out of their life. That's not the answer. We're going to create the walking dead throughout the whole world. You got zombies on every college campus, on every high school campus. You got kids now because their parents won't properly raise them and just stick them in front of a television for nine hours a day. And they say, he's got, he's just got ADD. He's got problems. He's got, no, he's got pent up energy because you've not done anything with him. And he's sitting there, can't focus on anything. You see what I'm saying? We fill our kids with sugar. We stick them in front of a TV for nine hours a day. And then we wonder why they can't focus on anything. (laughs) They've got so much energy. They've got so much stored up. He, well, I know what it is. He needs a pill. He doesn't need a pill. Go take a lap around the block and focus. So, well, you just don't understand. No, I understand totally. I understand completely. I understand completely what's happened in our generation. And then we want to give our kids information overload. Listen to what I'm saying. Give our kids information overload, stuff that they should never have to deal with or consume. 
and, uh, and, and put all that in their spirit, put all that in their mind. And then we want to stick them in a world that's broken and have them indoctrinated in the public school systems uh, to believe things that are actually anti-Christ, anti-God and demonic. And then, and then literally come home. It makes me laugh when, when people are like, well, I send my kids to public school because I want them to be a light in the darkness. They're seven. They're seven years old. They're still developing. What do you think your kid's going into public school at seven years old, like a doctrinal genius, breaking down the doctrines of the Antichrist and the uh, teaching of the, uh, of the teachers and common core? Actually, uh, uh, teacher, I'd like to bring up a point here as he pushes his glasses up. I don't think so. I don't think so. And so what you need to understand is that these are spiritual problems that need spiritual solutions. Exactly right, Norman. We open the door to these things and then what ends up happening is people try to give you natural solutions to a spiritual problem. You can't do it. Listen, do you know what they, do you know what they would have done? Yeah, exactly, AJ. AJ brings up a great point. They send their kids to schools that are run by people with antichrist agendas and put them into these places where it's just indoctrination and around all this. Well, I send my kid to public school because I want. And then, as AJ said, they'll quit their job because their boss is a sinner. Well, I don't. He he doesn't like me because I'm a, I'm a Christian. He's a sinner, so I'm leaving and go. Doesn't make any sense. And so. You look at this, you're medicating all these people. You know what would have happened if Mark chapter five took place in 2021? Do you know what would have happened? They would have said, well, Jesus, you just don't understand. This man in the graveyard has got, he's got serious issues that need, he needs medication. He needs care. He needs to be in a home or in a place, you know, where he can be properly cared for 24 uh, seven. You know, we need to do some studies, do some tests. We need to figure out what's going, going on with him. He obviously has, you know, a lot of chemical imbalances in the brain. He's had a mental break at some point. Um, he's hearing voices. So he's probably, you know, schizophrenic at some level, um, you know, and, that, and they would just diagnose it out. If Mark 5 happened in 2021, they would just diagnose it out. The people wouldn't have kicked him out of town. They would have just taken him to a clinic. They would have taken him to a hospital. They would have got him to a pharmacy where he could have got his proper medication. They would have taken him to a place where he could be in padded cell. That's exactly what they would have done. Taken him to a mental institution. Say, well, he's had a mental break. He's schizophrenic. He hears voices. He's very violent. That's exactly what they would have done. And that's what they're doing today. If you can't tell... If you can't tell, you go to like some kind of a, if you've ever been to a place, if you've ever been to a mental institution, or if you've been to a place like that, you can't even be a Christian and have the Holy Spirit within you and not go into those places and not feel demons. You can sense, and that's not, you know, for people that have not been in the the Pentecostal uh, environment, you think that that's just nutty. Or that's like, well, he, he's just out of his mind. He's one of them crazy. No, no. You can discern spirits. You can discern the spirit of God. You can discern the spirit of angels. You can discern the spirit of man. And you can discern the spirits of the devil. Demon spirits, fallen angels. You can tell. You can sense when something's demonic. And if you've ever been into one of those places, Elizabeth said, I worked at a mental hospital. You can feel them everywhere. You absolutely can feel them everywhere. You can feel the atmosphere change when you walk into that place filled with demon spirits. 
It's exactly right. It's a demonic place. I've gone into hospitals many times to pray for people that are sick. You can feel demons in hospitals. That's why I hate going into hospitals. I can't stand hospitals. Hate them. I hate them. And you've got faithful people that watch this broadcast. You have, that's your job. You're working in there. You are a light in the darkness. You, you know what I'm talking about. Miss Luenda would be one. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. And she goes in there full of the Holy Ghost and ministers to these people. Lays her hands on them where she can. Gives them information and resources where she can. Demonic places. You can feel spirits of infirmity. You can feel uh, demonic strongholds. You can feel spirits of heaviness. You can sp- feel the spirit of death. And I'm just telling you, you, you can tell. You can tell. When my, when they, when my grandfather had his, um, I think he had his knee replaced. And they, had him, they had him staying in there. He, I remember him calling my uncle. <laughs> he said, get me out of here. My grandfather was in his 80s, preached his whole life. And he had to stay over a few days at the hospital after they replaced his knee. And he's in there. He called my uncle up who pastored the church there in Virginia, uh, pastors Dominion Christian Center. My uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth. He said, get me out of here. Like today. He was, he was after like one, two days, he was like, I can't, I'm not staying here another night. He said, I'm in here. He said, I, and you can feel the spirits. And he said, people are crying out in the night. Yeah, oppressed by demons. He could feel it. He couldn't even sleep. It unsettled his spirit. Why? You feel it. And we're trying to give natural solutions to supernatural problems in 2021. And it doesn't work. You better be full of the Holy Ghost and know who you are in Christ. Better know who you are in Christ. Jackie said, I worked an 11 to 7 one night and it's something I've never experienced before. You better believe it. And then we wonder, like, I, I don't understand why this, all this stuff's going on. It's a demonic root. The devil comes to steal and kill and to destroy. And if you think he's not still trying to do that today in mass, he is. That's why you got to know that you've got authority over the devil. Because first of all, you're not going to minister to other people if you can't even minister to yourself. Remember that. If I can't get victory over it in my own life, how am I going to cast it out of somebody else's life? And so you have to know who you are in Christ, know your identity, know that you've got position in God and know that you've got the power to cast out devils. That's the first thing that was listed in the Great Commission. These uh, signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out devils. You better believe they will cast out devils. And I've done it. And I'm sure some of you have, and it needs to be done more to cast out devils. And so no, and and it's funny because, uh, people act like it was just the 12 apostles that God anointed to do that work. No, the 70 returned unto him and said, even the devils are subject to us in your name. So it kept on expanding the 70, then the 120, then the church exploded all over the earth. And even the early church fathers who were writing, Irenaeus, Polycarp, Ignatius, all of them reported demons being cast out. Think about it. It's the first thing the Holy Ghost said, demon spirits. And there are, I'll go on to this because we kind of have moved into that. There are demon spirits of infirmity. You can be oppressed as a Christian. I know and have seen many Christians that are oppressed of the devil. They're, they're living in oppression and they need to be free. 
I'll give you an example. You know, notice, and this is kind of a picture of what it's like in Christianity. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he was raised to new life. He was alive, but he came out of the grave wrapped up in grave clothes. He was alive, but he was still dressed like he was dead. He was alive, but still dressed like he was dead. And let me tell you something. There are Christians today come into church. They're Christians. They're spiritually alive, still dressed like they're dead, still bound up in grave clothes. That's why Jesus had to give one other command. And he said, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. Don't be alive in Christ and still dress like you're dead. There's Christians that still smoke two packs a day. There's Christians that can't let leave the, you know, there's Christians that are bound by pornography. They need to get delivered, need to get free. And you need to, and that's the thing, that's what I'm saying. They're not possessed by demon spirits, but they're definitely oppressed and harassed. And then all these other things open up in their life because they can't get free. You need to be free. And that's the problem about attending a church where they don't teach this and don't believe it and don't practice it. You're not going to get free. Good luck. Good luck. That's all I'm telling you. You've got to be free by understanding you've got power over the devil. You can cast out devils. You know, you can do as much as you want. I'm seeing all these things and thank God for ministers that are doing it. Thank you for Christians that are doing it. But you can do as much pornography awareness as you want to do. Do as much as you want. You know, we need to realize more Christians than ever are entrenched in pornography. We need to realize that the percentage is high, that even there are ministers that are out there that are addicted to pornography. You can do as much awareness as you want, but you need to get delivered. You got to get delivered. It's not just something like, oh, oh, I didn't realize it was so bad for me that, you know, that the, when I watch pornography, that it releases these chemicals in my body and then it begins to make me feel this way. And then I, it's more than a natural thing, my friend. You need to get delivered. You need to get delivered. So awareness is good. We need to be aware that it's there. You can't know. Jesus, the first question Jesus asked, where have you laid him? You got to locate the problem before you can solve it in the story of Lazarus. Where have you laid him? Roll back the stone. Notice what Jesus is doing. Locating where the problem is and then removing anything that impedes the way to ministry. Roll away the stone. Where have you laid him? Locate, roll away the stone, remove the impedance. Now I can minister to the problem. And see people, they want to say, well, no, Lord, he stinks. Surely by now. Doesn't matter that the problem stinks. Doesn't matter that it's ugly. You got to deal with it. You've got to deal with it. And that's what Jesus was doing. I don't care that he stinks. I don't care that he's been dead four days. I came to raise him up. Roll the stone away. Then he ministered to him. Then he ministered to him. Then he spoke the word. Amen. It needs deliverance. Do you think that there's people, Christians, still smoking cigarettes and they're addicted to nicotine and what they need is to know more statistics on what smoking does to your body? Well, if they just knew the statistics, they would quit smoking. It's not about statistics. You need to get delivered. You need to get delivered. And it's, this is the thing people don't get. There's more spiritually in the body than people recognize. They think they can handle all these problems and then Christ is just there to hold us through the storms. That's the way people believe in 2021. Well, we really need to rely on science more than ever and then just believe that Jesus will hold us through the storms. 
That's how Christians believe in 2021, the majority of Christians. Trust science and then believe God to hold you through the storm. Believe God to give you peace through the surgery. Believe God to guide the surgeon's hand as he cuts out the tumor. That's literally, and I'm not condemning anybody that goes and has a surgery or that's in the hospital. I'm not condemning you or saying that you're less of a Christian or whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is the mindset that people have in 2021. Put your trust in men and believe God to uh, cuddle you through it. That's how they believe. If you don't know that by now, you got to look at it. Look at your generation. Trust in men and believe God to cuddle you through your problems. Put your trust in men and believe God to just comfort you through the whole thing. That's exactly what people believe now. How many know sister so-and-so coming up? She's got a surgery this coming Thursday. Let's just pray for her peace as she goes through that. Let's just pray pray that that everything works out in her favor. Let's just pray that her family has peace as she goes. That's the prayers of our leaders in the body of Christ today in denominational churches. That's how they pray. How many know so-and-so is, is really battling? Let's just pray that God comforts them as they're going through this. Let's just pray that as they go into the hospital, that there are no hitches, that there's no problems, that everything goes smoothly on the operation table. That's your prayer. That's your prayer. Because Jeremiah says, Jeremiah 17, is cursed is the man who puts his trust in the arm of flesh and in doing so turns his back on God. You can't trust in men and trust in God at the same time. Cannot do it. Stop putting your trust in men. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God alone. He's your help. He's greater help than any man. He can do miracles that will literally save your life. I mean, literally, forget healing. I'll tell you another one. Listen to this. My father was preaching a revival. And there was a woman that was coming to the revival every night. Her husband would get drunk and beat her, whatever. And um, he was beating her for going to church, all kinds of stuff. And she was just tired of it. So during the revival, while my dad's preaching at this church, she was so tired of it. He came home to beat her one night. She grabbed a butcher's knife and stabbed her husband like seven or nine times in the stomach and chest. Stabbed him. Seven or nine, I can't remember the exact number, seven or nine times in the chest with a butcher knife. Just bam, 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 bam. Cops came and arrested her husband to the hospital. He wasn't dead. Took her husband to the hospital, took her. But the police officer that came to make the arrest was also a man that attended that church where my father was preaching. And he knew she'd been coming to the revival. He'd been coming to the revival, but he was on duty. He brings her before he takes her to the police station. He brings her to the church during the night service and said, Brother Ted, would you come pray? She's in the back in bloody clothes with bloody hands because she just stabbed her husband. Probably going to get charged with attempted murder. Goes in. My father goes back and prays, prays for her, prays for their, their, their house. She goes into the police station. They're you know, booking her. They take her husband to the hospital. They cut his shirt off. Now, the shirt is covered in blood. The puncture wounds from the butcher knife are in his shirt, T-shirt. They take the scissors and cut his shirt off. And when they wash the blood away, there wasn't one stab wound in his body. There was not one stab wound in his body. 
Think of that. So he comes out of the hospital, refuses to press charges against his wife. She comes out of jail. They, they both come back together. They come to the revival. Both of them get saved. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Think about that. God will perform miracles that'll save your life. Save your life. Didn't just save the man's life in the hospital. Who knows what would have happened to him with nine stab wounds and save the woman's life who may have been charged with attempted murder. Or if he died, murder. And then they both get saved. Think about that. Not one stab wound. The stab stab puncture holes were in the shirt. His blood was all over the shirt. And his blood was on her. But Jesus healed him on the way to the hospital. Hallelujah. And she was saved. He was saved. It's a miracle. Don't put your trust in men. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. God will perform miracles that will save your life. And he'll do for you what men can't do for you. Do you know how many people I've ministered to that have been chronically depressed for years, can't get free? Doesn't matter how many antidepressants they take. Same stuff over, 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 over. And then you get in the presence of God and in his presence is fullness of joy. Notice that in his presence is fullness of joy. Thank you, Lord. In his presence, fullness of joy. Hallelujah. I'm so, I'm so thankful for the Holy Ghost. I'm so thankful to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm so thankful to be united with Christ. I'm so thankful that I have an identity in the supernatural realm and that demons know my identity and they know yours. And we know that because they knew who Jesus was in Mark five. And I'll tell you something else. And Acts chapter 19, not only did the demons know who Jesus was, they knew who Paul was. (laughs) They knew who Paul was. And as they're walking and Paul was with his ministry um, team and that demon possessed girls walking behind them, these are men of God. You know what? That demon knew who they were. I want you to put it in the comment section. I have an identity in the spirit realm. I want you to put that in the comments right now. I have an identity in the spirit realm. Write it now. I've got an identity in the spirit realm. And you absolutely do. The devil knows who you are knows who you are, knows exactly who you are in the Holy Ghost. See, the reason that the seven sons of Sceva did not have an identity in the Holy Ghost, Acts 19, Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? Who are you? The reason that they didn't have an identity is because they weren't Christians. They weren't Christians. They weren't born again. They were Jewish exorcists. And they said, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, if they were Christians, they would have been preaching Jesus. Do you see that? Acts 19, if they were Christians, part of that company of disciples that were doing the works of God, they would have been preaching Jesus and they would have had an identity in the supernatural realm. Hallelujah. They would have had an identity in the supernatural realm, but they didn't. The demon didn't know 
who they were. Had no idea. Now, hold on. Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You've got an identity in the spirit realm. Thank you, Lord. You've got an identity in the spirit realm. What I want you to see, what I want you to see is that as you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you've got to know your identity. See, the devil already knows. But if you don't know, then you'll never act on your identity. You'll never enforce who you are in Christ. You'll never enforce your authority. It's almost like, you know, kids that have a growth spurt that have been picked on their whole life and they don't know their own strength. They don't know their own power. I used to watch. I I saw a kid that was like a gentle giant. Big guy. But because he'd never enforced his strength before, there were small guys that would pick on him. Literally, smaller guys, much smaller, that would bully him, pick on him, and he would take it and never retaliate because he didn't know his own strength. He was afraid because he didn't know his own strength. And these little guys would pick on him. They'd mess with him. (laughs) And he was big. I mean, big as me. And probably heavier than me. Until one day I was like, bro, stop letting these little dudes mess with you. You're like a giant. You're strong. I I don't know, it's like clicking your brain. You're stronger than they are. Until the day where we're in the locker room and a dude started messing with him again and he got angry enough finally and just with one hand put like did a push on the guy's chest sent the guy flying through the locker room flying across the floor boom one push and it was like a light turned on hold on a second I'm much stronger than they are I'm much bigger than they are there's people that have allowed themselves to be harassed for their whole life by demon spirits by spirits of infirmity, by spirits of oppression and heaviness. And they've never tried to retaliate because they just believe this is how life goes. When you should just look in the spiritual mirror and recognize you're much bigger than any devil, any demon, any sickness, any disease. You're bigger in the Holy Ghost. Retaliate. Retaliate by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'll I'll say this. Paul, the apostle, he had to instruct the church to be strong in Ephesians six, when he's talking about the armor of God, you've read that. And when Paul's breaking down the armor of God, before he does, he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, if every Christian was just automatically strong in the Lord, That command was unnecessary. But see, Paul understood that every believer is not strong in the Lord. Every believer is not strong in the Lord. You've got to be commanded to do so because you've got to operate in strength. You've got to know your strength, build your strength, and uh, and walk in strength. Amen. You can get stronger, stronger, and stronger in the things of God. Bible says in the Old Testament, book of Proverbs, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Or one translation, your strength is too small. 
So you can lose battles as a Christian. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you'll win every battle automatically. I see Christians losing battles all the time, though they've won the war. They'll go to heaven. They'll not go to hell. But on the earth, in these small skirmishes, they're losing battles to the devil because they don't know their power. That's right, Eric. Not every believer is strong in the Lord. Not every, and that's why Paul commanded them, be strong, be strong. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. You see that? Having done all to stand, stand therefore. And then he talks about the armor of God. Hallelujah. And that's what I want you to see today. You've got to choose to be strong in the Lord. I refuse. And here's where you start. Let me show you where you start. You start by refusing to allow your own personal covenant to be um, trespassed upon. I'm not letting the devil walk all over me. If I ever have even an inkling, and I'm just being very honest with you, very transparent, I want you to hear it from, from me. Because I'm not telling you because I'm a preacher, because I'm, you know, I've been in this my whole life, that there aren't things that try to come against me. Of course they do. Of course they do. Of course the devil tries to attack me in the same way that he tries to attack you. But here's how you got to be. If I feel even an inkling of the devil trying to put something on me, I don't care if it's sickness. I don't care if he tries to bring a discouragement to me, which could end up in depression or, or to look at the way things are going and realize all we're doing now, try to put an anxiety on me or a fear like, oh my Lord, I didn't realize we're doing a lot for the kingdom, man. This better, we better be able to keep this up. No. If even an inkling of that stuff tries to rise up, you stand up in, in the strength of the spirit and begin to declare the word of God over your life and then pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Why do I say that? Two things that will keep you strong in the Lord. Two things that will keep you strong. This is how I'm going to finish today because you need to hear it. I need to hear it. If you look at the armor of God, right? All the things Paul lists as the armor of God, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, loins girt about, all of it. It blew my mind to find out that all of the armor of God is only actually made up of two elements. All the pieces are only made up of two elements. I'm going to show it to you. Are you ready? Look what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Ephesians 6, 10. I'm reading 11 now. Put on the whole armor of God. You may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against cosmic powers and present darkness against the spiritual forces in the evil of evil in the heavenly places. Now look at 13. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand firm. Fastening on the belt of truth. What's the belt of truth? What is truth? The word of God. The belt of truth is the word of God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he's the word made flesh. The belt of truth is the word of God. That's element one. 
having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's the second element. What is righteousness? That's your covenant. That's holiness, righteousness being set apart. So now we have righteousness and the word of God, righteousness and the word of God. Let's go on. Breastplate of righteousness and as for as shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. What's the gospel? We're back to number one, the word of God. The gospel is the word of God. Let's go on further. In all circumstances, taking up the shield of faith, shield of faith. How does faith come by hearing what? The word of God. You don't have a shield of faith without the word of God. You don't have a shield of faith without the word of God. So we're still only on two elements, the word of God, holiness or righteousness. Let's go on further. Um, shield of faith. You can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of what? Salvation. What is that? Righteousness, holiness. Same as before. Righteousness, holiness. Same thing. Word of God, righteousness, holiness. Let's keep on going. Helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. <laughs> Again, it's two elements. The word of God, righteousness or holiness. Hallelujah. And then what does he say in verse 18? And after you've put on the whole armor and then praying at all times, glory to God, praying at all times. So here's three elements. Obviously you're saved. And so you have a position of righteousness. So you've got that. That can't be taken away from you by the devil. He can't take your righteousness from you. He has no power to do so. So two elements that I'm giving you today to stay strong in the Lord and the power of his might and win every battle and kick out every devil that trespasses on your covenant and cast out demons. Two things. Are you ready? Number one, the word of God. Fill yourself with the mighty word of God. That's why we're reading the Bible right now in 90 days, going through the whole Bible in 90 days. Many of you are joining us. We're filling ourselves in 2021 with the word of God. So fill your spirit with the Bible. What happened when the devil tempted Jesus? How did Jesus respond? It is written, right? It is written. That's how Jesus responded. He used the word of God to resist the devil, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know what? If you got things coming against your body, launch the word at it. Launch the word at it. Launch the word at it. I want you to write this in the comments. Launch the word at your problems. Put that in the comments right now. Launch the word at your problems. That's key. Launch the word at your problems. It is a weapon. Hallelujah. It's what Paul just called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Launch the word at your problems. Slice and dice every problem by the sharpened sword of the spirit. Glory to God. This thing, unsheathe it. Take it out of the sheath and start swinging that thing. Start swinging the word of God. And slice and dice every problem by launching the word of God at your issues, at your problems. Launch the word of God. It's powerful. The Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is powerful 
It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharper. It's already razor sharp to slice and dice every issue that the devil would have to come against you. And so, number one, launch the Word of God. Well, in order to launch the Word of God, you got to know the Word of God, which means you got to be reading it, got to be ingesting it. Like Jeremiah, eat it. Eat it. Hallelujah. Slice it and dice it by the Word of God. Secondly, for every Christian, Paul said this, and praying at all times with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit for all saints. So prayer is key. Two things. Prayer will keep you from falling into temptation. Matthew 26, 41. Prayer will keep you from falling into temptation. Number two, prayer will strengthen you in the spirit, strengthens you spiritually, praying in the Holy Ghost. Bible says that in 1 Corinthians 14, that anybody that speaks in tongues is encouraging himself, edifying himself. So if you're in a place where you feel, I can tell you, if there's been moments of discouragement in my life where I've felt discouraged, you know what I start doing? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Listen to this practical answer from me. I'm just telling you, listen to me on this. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is the greatest advantage ever, ever. And if there's ever been a time that I've been discouraged or I felt like, you know, whatever it might be, the enemy tried to launch against me, even the beginning of being discouraged or depressed, you start praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And when you do, Paul said, you're encouraging yourself in the Lord. You are edifying yourself, spiritually building up your spirit, man. That's what the Bible says, stirring up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude verse 20. Hallelujah. You can stir up your faith. You can encourage yourself in the Lord just by praying in the Holy Ghost. You see that? Number one, it keeps you from falling into temptation. Number two, it encourages yourself. It causes you to encourage yourself. And then number three, and this is so powerful, it lets you release power. Here's what people don't get. It allows you to release power. So what do you mean by that? Well, every believer is filled with the Holy Ghost. And if, I mean, if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, then you've got the ability to walk in that power and manifest miracles. You don't need more anointing. You don't need more anointing. You need to release the anointing you already have. But the problem is, is that many people don't spend time in prayer. And as a result, they can't release the power that they already have. Jesus made this point in Mark chapter nine. He said to the disciples, this kind of demon We're still on the subject of demon spirits, fallen angels, the underworld. This kind of demon does not come out except by prayer. And some manuscripts add prayer and fasting. So if you don't live a life of prayer, then the power is not going to be released from your life. That's why E.M. Bounds, the Methodist minister and author said, much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. And so if you don't pray, as Paul commanded here, put on the whole armor and pray. Then you're not going to be strong in the Lord. I'm just giving you straight up truth from the scripture. You won't be strong in the Lord if you don't pray and have the word 
inside your spirit. You'll be weak. You'll lose battles. You'll be oppressed. You will be harassed because you're missing the fuel that it takes in order to be strong in the Lord. Fill yourself with God's word, launch the word at every problem and pray, pray in your known language, pray in the Holy Ghost, both of them. Pray in your known language, pray in the Holy Ghost. You'll encourage yourself in the Lord, you'll stay free from temptation and you'll release power. Just like Jesus. You know why Jesus never had an issue releasing power? He was praying all the time. He'd pray through the night. He'd pray all the time, get up early in the morning before the dawn and pray. Mackenzie asks, is there ever a battle that you've lost that you can't go back and win? Like, is it ever too late? Well, I would have to hear what you mean practically by that. I mean, people that are losing battles, it usually stays on them, Mackenzie. So like, if people are just constantly battling depression, that thing will stay on them until they get free from it. And then you can win over that uh, attack of the devil and keep it off of you um, for the rest of your life. Sickness. You could go through your whole life continuing battle with sickness after sickness. And then you get free and understand your authority. And then you live free from sickness. And so I'm not sure of like a time sensitive that you're thinking of specifically. If you give me an example, I could help you to better answer that question. Kayla, that man that was the author, his name is E.M. Bounds, B-O-U-N-D-S. He was a Methodist minister and an author, wrote 12 books in his life. Nine of them were on the subject of prayer. And that's where we get that famous quote, much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. He understood by studying the word that prayer allows you to operate in power. Amen. Amen. And so I'm encouraging you today. You've got power over the devil and you should take authority and stand up in that power and command him to leave your life, leave your house, leave your mind, leave your body, leave your family. And see, when you make it true at home, then you can make it true for other people. I got to make it true at home first. That's why the Bible teaches, like even when you're dealing with who should be deacons in the church, who should be elders in the church, there are specifications, right? You've got to rule your own house well, the Bible says, because if you can't rule your own house well, how will you bring control or order to the house of God? Common sense. So they had uh, requirements for deacons and elders. If you have children that don't respect you, if you can't run your own house well and nobody respects you and you're in disorder at home, you're not qualified and not allowed to be an elder in the church because you won't be able to do anything in the church you can't do in your own home. You see that? It has to be done in your home first because if I can't get it to work for me, how can I get it to work for you? See what I mean? So the first place we're responsible is in our own personal lives, in our own personal homes. And then we move out from there. There's people that want God to send them to overseas nations to preach crusades and get people saved. They've not even witnessed to their next door neighbor. It starts at home. It starts with us. Amen. I love Denzel Washington's answer 
when they asked him what he thought about about all these racial problems in our country. And they said, well, what do you think about all these uh, African-American young men that are put at a disadvantage because, you know, they're being infringed upon and police are arresting them and all these different things. And they're in jail and they make up more in jail than anybody else. And you know what Denzel Washington's answer was? He said, you know what my question is? Where was his father? This is this is his, this is the. Uh, This is the answer Denzel Washington gave. He said, where was the young man's father? He said, if you say he didn't have a father, then where was his father's father? That was his answer. Because you know what he said to the reporter? It starts at home. It starts at home. Get your house in order. That's what his answer was. And I thought, oh my Lord, that's a scriptural answer. That's a scriptural answer. It's got to start in your own house. You got to have order in your own house. Pastor Jordan Work has given us Proverbs 25, 28. A man who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without any walls. You know what that means without any walls? It means that you can be attacked and defeated at any time because you got no control. And that's what Denzel Washington was saying. That's what the scripture teaches. It starts at home starts at home. I'm going to take authority in my own body, in my own mind, in my own personal environment, in my own house. If my wife is battling, I'm going to lay hands on her and the power of God's going to heal her. We've trained our children to understand. You know, our children don't run to us and ask for an Advil. You know, they say, pray for me, mommy, pray for me, daddy. And they'll say, Ooh, I feel better. I feel better. I feel, and whatever it is, the tummy ache has to go. The headache has to go. They understand to depend on the Lord. They don't run in asking for an aspirin. They ask for hands to be laid upon them. Amen. I love it when my little son was, was really little. And uh, <laughs> he, I think my, my wife laid hands on him and he, he didn't feel well. And so my wife laid hands on him and he said, she said, in Jesus name, amen. He went, amen. Am I healed? <laughs> He was waiting on mom to tell him if he'd been healed. She said, yep, you are. Thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so I want to encourage you today. You've got power over the devil. Fill your spirit with the word and pray. And if you do, you'll be strong in the Lord. That's why those two things need to be priorities in your day. Let me say it another way. If you don't make reading the Bible and prayer, and I mean extensive prayer, I don't mean five minutes. If you don't make those two things a priority in your life daily, you're in danger. You're in extreme danger. I'm just telling you, and I'm not overemphasizing the consequences. I want to tell you, if you don't fill yourself with the word daily, if you don't pray daily, you are in danger danger. You're in danger. You know why? Because those are the two elements that keep you strong. And the devil is always going to try to attack you. Beyond that, your own flesh is going to try to attack you every single day. The devil's trying to attack you and your own flesh is trying to attack you. You don't even know that, do you? Some people don't even know that. They think, well, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Your flesh is attacking you daily. Paul knows it. He said it. He said, I have to work on my body daily 
1 Corinthians 9.27, Galatians 5.17, your flesh is at war with your spirit. Your flesh is attacking you. That's why I just released a book on fasting, because fasting is one of the ways to win the war against the flesh. That's why do you think the Christians in the early church did it two days every week? Two days every week. Because they knew their flesh was attacking them. Paul knew my flesh is attacking me. And if I don't bring it under subjection and submission, then I'll be disqualified from my heavenly home. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Paul knew it and dealt with it. The devil's attacking you. Your flesh is attacking you. And so you have got to fill yourself with the word and pray. And I mean pray. And if you don't, you're in danger. You're in danger because you're letting yourself be weak when the devil is fighting against you in a strong way. Your flesh is fighting against you in a strong way. Every day is an opportunity for your flesh to win. Think about that. Every day is an opportunity for your flesh to win. Every day is an an opportunity for the devil to get one over on you. And you've got to put him in his place daily. You've got to put your flesh in its place daily. The two elements that help you to do that, reading the word of God, praying every day. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you've seated us in heavenly places far above principalities and powers. We thank you, Lord, that there's nothing above us because we're with you and you've got the name that's above every name. And so, Lord, today we ask you uh, to really open the eyes of our understanding. Let us see and understand this revelation like we never have so that we will take authority in life so that the devil won't win and our flesh won't win, but our spirit man will conquer on a daily basis. I pray for every person watching me that is being oppressed by the devil. I take authority over depression today. I take authority over fear today. I take authority over suicidal thoughts and anxiety attacks. Take authority over the spirit of infirmity and sickness and disease. And I rebuke it today in Jesus' name. Be free by the power of God. Be free in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Somebody give God thanks and praise. Throw some hands or fire in the comments. And thank him that you have authority in the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, you have authority. Listen, before we go on this Friday, it is Breakthrough Friday, and I want you to sow a seed by faith. I want you to do that quickly. The Lord's speaking to you, probably has been speaking to you through this whole broadcast. But if you're blessed, and if you're believing God for increase, and if you're believing God for a year that we're going to run, and I mean financially, then it's time to sow a seed by faith. There's the information on the screen. You can use the website. You can use PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, however you'd like to do it. And sow that seed today. Believe God. I want to encourage you to partner with me and Carolyn as we're doing more than we've ever done for the Lord's move. Literally moving all over the earth. It's blowing my mind the doors that are opening. You're a part of it. And I want to say thank you. We're going to bless you with this book by Brother Hagin. It's entitled Understanding the Anointing, which we do need to understand. And uh, for those that are partnering at $85 or more, Uh, This is what we're going to send you. Go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. If you're sowing $1,000 or more today, I'm going to uh, include with that book a life application study Bible in genuine leather, New Living Translation. Phenomenal. And we're sending it to you, signed to you to say thanks. And thank you for standing with us. 
We're live again. Tonight's the final night of this two-week revival, scheduled anyway. We'll see what the Holy Ghost does. And uh, it's at 7 o'clock New York City time. You can tune in on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, and watch. It's going to, if you're coming, better get here early. Because I'm just telling you right now, this place is going to fill up quick. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Don't miss it. Don't miss it. I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging with me today. See you again tonight at 7 o'clock. Be blessed. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.